Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Why is Brady hard to bring down? He got these shoulders. Have you ever seen Tom Brady's shoulders when he in that pocket? The shoulders be crazy sometimes. Like, I don't know. You know, Tom Brady was 43. To be able to move his shoulders like that, um, playing in the league for uh, about 20, 30-something years, for him to be able to move his shoulders like that still is uh, quite amazing. Me and Chris Jones talk about it all the time. I think Chris missed the sack because he, like, shimmied them shoulders a certain kind of way. I, like, Chris, like, completely missed them. He was like, man, I don't know how I missed Tom Brady. It's like, it's like nothing against him, but he's not an escape artist. But it's like, man, he definitely, he, he, he just as good. Honestly, sometimes he just as good as Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson the best. And you watch Tom Brady sometimes in that pocket, man, you can't really tell the difference. Thursday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Three days to go. Until Super Bowl 55, Chris Sims, Mike Florio here with you. Chris, as the week has gone on, I have found myself more and more, I don't know what the word is, I just feel out of sorts because I'm so used to being in the Super Bowl city. I'm not saying, oh, poor us, we're not there. It just is a weird feeling. I'm so used to being there. I'm so used to being with you there. I'm so used to having the guests there. And I realized even if we were there, it wouldn't matter because the guests wouldn't be there. It's a completely different experience because of the pandemic. We're trying to make chicken salad as everyone has been trying to make chicken salad since last March. And we just keep soldiering on and adjusting to the new reality. The new reality is we've had a bunch of interviews this week and we got a bunch more to go and they're all via video link. Yeah, I mean... We're making it happen, but it's not. It's just different. The whole year's different. I mean, it, it really is. It stinks. Yeah, it's not the same energy. It's not the same energy around the game. Gosh, I even talked to, you know, of course, I lived in Tampa, Florida and played there and all that. I've talked to a few people down there about the week and they're, you know, it's you could tell the Super Bowl's there, but it's certainly not like, you know, Super Bowl weeks have passed not the Super Bowl parties. You know, there's like one or two parties, and of course it's incredibly hard to get the tickets for. So it's a new experience for everybody. The players, the coaches, us, everything. We're just trying to make do. It's wearing me out. I can't lie. The damn pandemic is wearing me out, finally. Well, I mean, it's it's taken its toll over the last few weeks, on me at least. I think part of it too, and I don't want to get too philosophical here. We got real work to do, and nobody really cares what I think. I know that. <laughs> based on every time I share something that I think. But I I have been, and I do not take this for granted, I've been fortunate that I've been able to go about my life for the most part. And this week is kind of a tangible reminder of the bigger picture problem that is affecting so many people. And when you have that hard right turn that, is different from what you're used to, it really does. And I've spent a lot of time this week thinking about how many lives have been turned upside down financially, how many lives have been 
ended, how many families have been forever changed by what's gone on since last March. And when you just keep on the treadmill of what we do during football season, because there's no time to really stop and think and reflect, is there? No, we just keep going. Show the next day. Cover football all day long. Get ready for the next day. Off we go. Then it's Sunday. You don't have that chance to take the step back. And I think this week, because it's so dramatically different than every Super Bowl week for me since 2009, it's kind of like, man, this has really been a messed up year for the entire world. And I just keep hoping that that curtain begins to lift. Those clouds begin to part. Every once in a while, I hear a little bit of good news that the vaccines may be, maybe, maybe, possibly, if we could just get them properly distributed, maybe it's going to work. And maybe with time and maybe, and, you know, maybe, 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 I just want this for everyone's sake to get to a point where it ends. And whatever the new normal is, because I feel like we're never going to go back to the way the world was a year ago, but wherever the new normal is, we get there at some point, if that yeah. makes any sense at all. No, it, it does. It makes sense. I mean, you're right. I keep seeing little, you know, you know, little glimmers of hope here and there, uh, but it still seems like we got, you know, a good fight in front of us. Now, the one good thing I'll say too, Mike, you know, hey, at least I'm just happy we do have the Super Bowl with a decent amount of fans there too. What, what do we got? They said 25,000. I mean, have we had any other stadium this year get to 25,000 other than maybe Dallas? Yes, we did. Dallas. Dallas, Dallas got was, to 30 right? several times. Okay. Right. And, and most of the people are vaccinated and, you know, the NFL takes over the stadium for the Super Bowl, and the, I, I suspect that all protocols will be followed to the letter by all of the 25,000 people who are in the stadium. The NFL will have the security force there and other individuals present to monitor to make sure that no one's doing anything they shouldn't do in order to ensure that the, the virus doesn't continue to spread. The Chiefs had their brush with a COVID-19 <laughs> outbreak, potentially. We saw that two guys were abruptly placed on the COVID-19 reserve list earlier this week, Senator Daniel Kilgore and receiver Demarcus Robinson. Apparently, it happened because they were getting their hair cut by a barber who tested positive. And the news of the positive test came as roughly... 20 other Chiefs players and employees were ready to get a haircut from this barber, including Patrick Mahomes. Oof. So, so uh, the good news is neither Kilgore nor Robinson have tested positive. The bad news is Kilgore didn't get his haircut finished. He tweeted a new profile picture. Oh, that's great. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> and that's, yeah. I love it. That is not that is not real. Pete is asking us to remind everyone that he is not walking around like that, although I fully endorse that look if he chooses to do it. <laughs> he did get the haircut finished. So Daniel Kilgore and Demarcus Robinson were the guys who ended up in the COVID-19 protocol simply because of that close contact with the individual who had tested positive. And that's what the NFL has done this year, the, the intense protocol the procedures for high-risk individuals who have been in contact with those who are positive. And for the most part, those individuals don't become positive cases, but the NFL wants to make sure because you don't want those guys around their teammates in the event that they begin shedding virus. So that has worked out apparently for the Chiefs. But here's the thing. I don't want to jinx anybody. I, I, I don't want to reside in our fears. But the reality is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Four days left, positive test for any player, any coach, any key member of any team's staff. You're done. It's it. You're gone. Ten days. Well, do the math. Ten, ten days puts you beyond Super Bowl Sunday. And as we saw all season long, Chris, I don't think, even if Patrick Mahomes would test positive, and yeah, I said it. Oh, you can say I jinxed him if you believe in things like that. But even if he does, they're still playing the Super Bowl on Sunday. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it would certainly take away from the luster of the football game. But it's a great reminder of just like how fickle this whole thing is. I mean, it just it's one little misstep still. I think where it's shocking is 
we went, what, like basically two and a half weeks without hearing anything about COVID, right? I mean, it, it was really since, what, wild card, the week before the wild card game where we had a few. The Browns. The Browns, right? And then we went this period of time where it was nothing, and you kind of just thought, hey, it's, it's, we're out of the woods. It's, we're done. We're down to the final few teams. It won't happen. Nothing like that. This comes about, yeah, scary. Scary. It's got to be scary for the NFL, the Chiefs. I mean, dodging a bullet, certainly. And, I, you know, who knows? Maybe that'll be a lesson for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is a very common practice in the NFL where a day off, you know, a Tuesday or Friday, because those days could be shorter, right, for a work day as far as players can get out of the building maybe around 2 o'clock, 2.30. So those are days where guys will go all see a barber or, and I don't think this is happening right now, but before the pandemic, the barber would be in the locker room when you'd get done with practice and he'd cut everybody's hair that way. So very commonplace and scary. Glad nothing happened. And hopefully the Bucks don't go get, you know, go see the barber as a team on Friday afternoon. Yeah. Well, but here's the reality now. And I wonder how the NFL would handle this because if you had that exposure on Friday, yeah, right. You're not going to be positive until after the Super Bowl. The incubation period carries you past Sunday. That would be a, a, an awkward situation for the NFL at that point. And clearly what the NFL wants to do right now is check that final box. 268 games out of 268 possible games have been played. One is left, and the Super Bowl will be played. The NFL is not going to put the brakes on it or delay it because, for example, and just to be equal here, Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady test positive right. or any other players test positive unless there is evidence of an ongoing outbreak. And I guess a cynic would say, well, they'll say there is if they want to get the best players on the field, but that's what it's going to take to delay the Super Bowl. And I mean, at this really, point, I, th I think we're close enough. Yes. I think we're close enough that we can say there's a pretty good chance this game's getting played on Sunday. I would think so. I, I really would. Um, I, I mean, yes, uh, it just it seems like everything's going in the right direction. I would think that that would be one more, you know, warning shot across the bow to get everybody to like, whoa, that's scary. Let me, you know, make sure I do everything right this week and hopefully everything goes on a schedule. But I, I mean, it would be crazy. It would be crazy if a superstar went out for the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I don't even want to put my brain there or anything like that. It would almost be unfulfilling, yeah, as a viewer. I mean, if one of those names went down, one of those big-time players weren't in there because of COVID, whoever, the quarterbacks, Chris Jones, whatever, Shaq Barrett, does Deion Joe, what, you know, uh, Devin White, it, uh, it would almost be underwhelming feeling, I think, if you won that way, too. I, that's just something that jumps out to me, like – if it was Brady that wasn't out there and the Chiefs won, I think they'd be like, man, it, you know, we won. It's great, but it's not the same. We'd like to have beat them at their best or the opposite if it's, you know, the Bucks winning and Mahomes was out. But uh, I, I don't even want to have to talk about that. That's enough of that. The news from Wednesday was a reminder that we still have to kind of hold our breath yeah. a little bit. But, but I think we're getting closer and closer and closer to the point where we can exhale and say, let's enjoy the Super Bowl. And when we do... We may see number 81 in pewter and white, and that would be Antonio Brown. Tom Brady yesterday in his latest media session was asked about Brown and the work that Brown has done to put some not all that long ago ugliness in his rearview mirror. Here's Brady on Brown. Antonio and I connected right away, and he has a great love for the game, uh, is a real perfectionist about how he plays, how he takes care of himself. Um, incredible football IQ. Um, and then, again, a great skill set just as a player. And I think made incredible strides over the last 12 months to get from where he was at to where he's at now. Well, I think one of the reasons he made incredible strides, Chris, is because Tom Brady decided I am going to get directly involved in getting this guy pointed in the right direction. And this isn't a charity case by Tom Brady. We've talked about this before. Yeah. If Antonio Brown wasn't Antonio Brown, he's not going to be living at Tom Brady's house. He's not out here looking for wayward individuals that he can try to help their, uh, turn their lives around. This is a guy that could help Tom Brady get to where he wants to be, which is the top of the mountain for the seventh time. So 
because of that connection they made during their brief time together in New England in September of 2019, Tom Brady was willing to do what he had to do to speak to Antonio Brown's better angels, to get Antonio Brown to avoid self-inflicted wounds, to get Antonio Brown ready to contribute to the football team. And when called upon, he has. Yeah, no, he has. Yeah, certainly. I'm sure there's selfish reasons there for Brady, you know, wanting to uh, keep the friendship alive or be attached to Antonio Brown. I mean, there's no doubt. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, as a competitor, hey, that's part of competing. Oh, hey, I'm gonna free. I'm gonna be a free agent. Hey, what? You're a free agent and you're good too. And whoa, if I just stay in contact with you, maybe we can be on the same team together and you can help me win more. Yes, I think there's you know there's that aspect of course, but I think there is still a human element here too that I don't think we can just brush over. I, I do think that there is a common bond and you can see it just there when Brady talks or anytime he talks about Antonio Brown where yeah they're maybe their lives are very very different outside the walls of football and in a, in a football facility but the one thing you know about both of these guys when it comes to football there's a psychoness in their approach and their detail and their work ethic and they live it and, you know, Brady talked about him being a perfectionist and being all over every detail. Well, that's like Tom Brady. So I'm sure they could hit it off on a personal level very easily that way. And that helps the friendship along, you know, to go along with it. So, hey, I, I, I'm always happy to see a guy get his life straightened back on, you know, the, the straight and narrow. That's a good thing, even though it's been some, some troubling stuff. There's no doubt about it. Everybody deserves a second chance and even a third chance. I'm not even opposed to that. And Brady, yeah, selfish a little bit. Okay, so what? But I still think it's all a good story and, and glad to see that, right. you know, they're on the same page. I, I mean, so I'm not saying so. I mean, it's just it's part of the reality. Oh, no, I know. I, mean, I know. Let, let's, I know. Let's not fool ourselves into thinking Definitely. that this guy is Mother Teresa. No. He's trying to help himself. And, and, and I think it's okay to say that. Yeah. He's trying to help himself win a Super Bowl. That's why he's been behind Antonio I wasn't attacking Brown. you. Now, here, all right. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Before Antonio Brown can get redemption, he's got to be ready to be redeemed. Let's listen to some of Brown from yesterday, and let's ask ourselves, is this is a guy who really has accepted the fact that the things that have happened in his life are more his fault than someone else's fault? Here's Brown from yesterday. Antonio, when you talk about staying disciplined and doing all the right things, what were some of those things, and what did you learn? What did you change um, to be able to get back to here? Well, it's all about, you know, controlling your emotions, physically, mentally, when, when you don't feel good, uh, not being a slingshot when others come at me, you know, uh, learning how to control my attitude, uh, not letting my emotions get the best of me. Even if I feel someone was wrong for doing what they did, you know, just being forgiven and just staying, staying positive. What do you want your legacy to be? And do you regret that whole year and a half that you went through before this? Well, I want my legacy to be a guy that was persistent, a guy I never gave up, no matter the odds, no matter the hate, uh, no matter the scrutiny, uh, no matter what I went through. Uh, I want my legacy to be a six-round kid from Central Michigan that never gave up, uh, earned everything he got, uh, persevered through every adversity, and uh, a guy who had the will, a will of a champion. See, some of that stuff at the end was a flash of other things he said, painting himself as a victim, complaining about the haters. The problems he's gone through the last two years, really, ever since we first found out about the frozen feet from the cryogenic chamber gone bad, something that you caught wind of before anyone else. Remember that July, August 20. Yeah. 19. Right. That's when the dominoes started to fall for him in a negative way. And we already had known about, you know, the, the exit from Pittsburgh and the whole Mr. Big Chest and right. everything he did to get out of there. But yeah. it all settled down and it looked like it was going to work with the Raiders. And that's when it all just fell apart. And it just kept falling apart and falling apart. And the thing that's still hanging over him, the civil lawsuit for sexual assault and rape, 
that that look, I again, the, this isn't a situation where there are haters. There are things that he has done that has gotten him under scrutiny, that has gotten him into trouble, that had him plead guilty to felony charges for an altercation with the driver of a moving truck last year, right around this same time frame. Got him suspended eight games. The NFL still hasn't acted against him on this pending lawsuit, and depending upon how that goes, he could get disciplined again. And frankly, if he testifies under oath in that case, in a deposition, the way he behaved in another lawsuit, the one that involved him throwing furniture off of a balcony of a high-rise apartment building, that it's not going to go well for him. He doesn't submit to authority well. He doesn't answer questions well when challenged by haters, as he would call them. That That's that's the, the issue that's front and center, and I saw a lot of blowback against him yesterday, and rightfully so, for trying to characterize himself as a victim, Chris. Yeah. He's not a victim. He has victimized people, allegedly or actually. He's not a victim. No, I mean, agreed. Uh, that That's, uh, you know, that I, doesn't make sense. Hey, listen, I like the fact that he's obviously reflected on the way you know, he's handled himself to a degree. I mean, he talked about not letting get his emotions get the best of him. We've seen him act appropriately. We haven't even really seen him act out on the football field in any crazy way, you know, like get in people's face or do anything like that. But, yes, I mean, there does seem to be a little bit of a lack of compassion as far as what he has done to others and – you're in the boat you're in because of you. There's nobody else. It's not because of haters or anything like that. In fact, like I, I would almost go like the opposite for a long, long time. I mean, he was just the bed of roses always for Antonio Brown. He could do no wrong. Hey, look at all the fantasy points. Oh, so what? He he said he was going to punch that ESPN reporter's jaw off. Who cares? He got... He got all that stuff. Got he got a free pass for a long time because he's so charming and has that great smile and that way of life about him. So you know you can't cry you know foul now uh, when you've kind of made the bed you're sleeping in. That's a great point. That is a great point because it wasn't until 2018 training camp right. when that happened. Somebody from ESPN ha- had the audacity to actually. Take a closer look at Antonio Brown. Take a closer look at things that people around him were saying, and that set him off. He directed some anger at Ed Bouchette, formerly the Pittsburgh right. Post-Gazette, now of The Athletic. And we started to see these little things that were making us say, wait a minute, is this guy who we thought he was? And then it all culminated in the events that resulted in him tweeting his way out of Pittsburgh, and it just continued into 2019. And, and then – it becomes more serious when the guy's sued for sexual assault yeah. and rape and the case is pending and it goes to trial December of 2021. And my guess is at some point this offseason, he will be required to go to a conference room at a lawyer's office, go under oath and answer questions. And based upon his past experiences of having to submit to that authority and answer those questions, there's a chance it will not go well, and there's a chance that that well, transcript and that video will get him in more trouble with the league and or the Buccaneers, assuming he signs a contract to come back for next year. Well, I, I mean, listen, I agree with you there. You've been saying that from the start about him getting in front of somebody in the deposition. You could see just in those two little comments we had right there, you know, you, you can strike a nerve a little bit with certain things to where he went down the haters road and all of that type of stuff to where you go, whoa. You know, so yes, I, I I understand. He's not out of the woods yet. We're gonna see, but glad it's it's going in the right direction, and certainly it's being helped out by Tom Brady, who's there to kind of watch over him a little bit. John Gruden, the coach of the Raiders, potentially may be longing for the days when his biggest problem was trying to deal with Antonio Brown. <laughs> I don't know what the league is gonna do about this, but but and, and and let me let me just peel back the curtain a little bit, Chris. And I I don't know that I've even told you this. Someone sent me the clip early yesterday morning of John Gruden on the Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman and the interaction between Gruden and Sherman. And Chris tried to save John before the two started talking. He tried to warn him about what he could and couldn't say to a guy who's not yet a free agent, even though, as you'll see, the coach and the players seem to think he is currently a free agent. 
And I was like, look, look, I got enough issues right now. I, I got enough. John Gruden's already mad at me for enough things, like pointing out if it was any other coach right now, uh, he'd have been at least mentioned for possibly being fired based upon his performance the last three years. So I, it's like, you know what? I'm not listening. Serenity now. I'm not messing with this. And then during the show yesterday, a general manager texted me that what Gruden said to Sherman is the most blatant case of tampering he'd ever seen. So with that, so then I decided I got to deal with it. So we got to deal with it. We got to bring it to you. Here is Chris Collinsworth, John Gruden, Richard Sherman, Pay particular attention to the things said by Gruden to Sherman. Here it is. I've been fine. I've been punished very, very harshly. But uh, <laughs> Richard Sherman, uh, if you are a free agent, which there is a rumor you are, uh, we are looking for an alpha presence in our secondary, somebody that can play this hawk three press technique with the read step. Uh, if you're available and interested, maybe you and I can get together at some point off air, brother. Yeah, that, there's a conversation to be had for sure. Um, you know, I am I am free and available these days, um, fortunately and unfortunately. Okay, the laughter doesn't matter. The attitude doesn't matter. The words are what matters. If you look at the NFL's anti-tampering policy, this is a textbook case. This is a stronger than textbook case because Gruden speaks to Sherman as if Sherman is currently available. He's not currently available right. he remains under contract to the san francisco 49ers until 401 p.m eastern on march 17 period now there's a 48 hour window before that immediately before that where gruden could negotiate directly with sherman because sherman represents himself but it's not march 15 yet it's february 4 you cannot have that conversation privately publicly seriously joking and I wish we'd have had the full clip there because Chris does try in kind of a a jovial way right. to 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 tell John hey you know don't you know we, we know there's tampering rules and John's just like the hell with it I don't care I don't care that there's tampering rules I've been fine before I'll be fine again let's go let's have this conversation I just was stunned by this and Chris here's the bottom line if the NFL doesn't do something about this and, I, you know, oh, you're being the whole monitor. No, if you got rules on the books that you're not going to enforce, why the hell have them? If they don't do something about this one, there is no tampering rule. Well, I would like the first thing that I think of and, you know, Pete Demolitolitis put this on my radar yesterday would be like the, you know, the Andy Reid, uh, the draft. What was that when he talked to was that Macklin, Jeremy Macklin, right? He spoke to Jeremy Macklin. Right. A guy that Andy Reid had drafted and coached right. when Macklin became a free agent five years ago or so. During that 48-hour window, when it's permissible to negotiate with the agent, technically you can't talk to the player. You can talk to the agent, can't talk to the player. Turns out Reid talked to the player. Right. And they whacked the Chiefs for that. So for that third-round pick. That's, for that. Right. That's so what I, wa that's what I wanted to say. That's what, yeah. that's what I wanted you to can't. say. Right. I mean, so that, that – you know, and and is what we saw there in that clip is every bit as egregious as as that what Andy Reid did with Jeremy Macklin and everything like that. So that's where it will be interesting to see what the NFL does as far as this concern. Listen, I don't know why Gruden did it. I can tell you this: like Gruden loves football. He is a true fan. He loves these players. He loves the game. And he really does get infatuated with players like a fan. Like, he really does. There's no doubt. It's like, it's different than your normal head coach. He really would be like, I wouldn't be shocked if he's got a tape of Richard Sherman and is just like, man, you know, and he shows his other corners and like, look at how he wears his uniform. Look how awesome he does this and that. That's the kind of coach he is. So he does let love letting players know how much he loves them. That's where I'll stick up for him. Now, the rest of it, I can't really stick up for him. I mean, I don't know what you're doing. Like, yeah, you're 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 playing with fire. You're playing with fire, and yeah, the league's been harsh on you, but that was because you were playing with fire then and pouring gasoline on it too. So, yeah, I, I would think it's almost like daring the NFL to mess with them here. That's what's kind of you know odd about it in like this Al Davis Raiders type of way, which I think is kind of cool in in a lot of ways, but. Um, yeah, he's going to get his butt in trouble and going to probably uh, have to hear from the league at some point.
the original punishment in the Macklin case, and I think it may have been softened a bit on appeal, but they still got whacked. Third round pick in the 2016 draft, sixth round pick in the 2017 draft, $350,000 in fines, two fifty dollars for the Chiefs, seventy five dollars large for Big Red, and $25,000 for John Dorsey. So this is not something that the NFL trifles with when the NFL decides that it's going to enforce the rule. See, this is the thing, and we don't have enough time for me to go fully into my rant about how inconsistent the NFL can be, but that's the core problem here. There are tampering violations all the time. We know that. Right. The NFL looks the other way most of the time because you can't enforce it in every case. But when you're either motivated to send a message like they were with the Chiefs or it is blatant and it is in plain sight and it is there. I asked the NFL about it yesterday. They declined comment. We'll see what they do by way of action. But when it plays out that blatantly, how can you not take action? It's like the injury report. They never do anything about it right. until it's blatant. Like when Ben Roethlisberger's elbow goes out without contact and he clearly had a pre-existing elbow injury and he wasn't on the injury report. They whacked the Steelers for that. They're going to have to do something here, Chris, or the tampering rule is meaningless and the hypocrisy will be obvious. I agreed. All Everything you said there and where I'll go into it too is like if you let this slide, then – then I, I don't want to hear it the next time a player, you know, what if the roles were reversed? What if the roles were reversed and, you know, it was some like one of John Gruden's players, right? Where, hey, I want this guy back. He can be a free agent March 17th, like you're saying. We want him back. We're just trying to figure it out right now. Now that, that player that he likes is on a podcast or doing something like that. What if he's oh, now another coach is on there? Hey, coach, I'm free and available. You know, I'm not, I think you're looking for a corner in your defense right now. Like, are they going to start letting stuff like that slide? That, that's, that's where I think it gets real dicey and uh, be interesting to see how the league does, does this whole thing. Again, this is the most blatant example of tampering I've seen. It's in broad daylight. It isn't even in the shadows. It's out in the open. And I guess it makes it less shocking than if you hear that it happened. Like, if we heard this had happened, if we heard rumors about that conversation – I'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. There's no rumors. It's reality. It happened on camera. So I, I, there's no way the NFL can avoid doing anything about this. And if they don't, then the anti-tampering rules moving forward mean absolutely nothing. Moving forward, we've got some live guests, and we've got a guest that we talked to yesterday. First up, a guy we talked to yesterday in Chase Young. Coming up later in the program, Tua Tonga-Vailoa and... Uh, Calais so Campbell. Many, I can't even remember the other two. Calais Campbell, thank you, and Shaq Thompson. Shaq Thompson. Coming up, the guy you see on screen, Chase Young, when PFT Live. Guy can't remember the playbook. Gosh. I cannot. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, he called his shot. He called his shot in grade school. Chase Young, future NFL player. I think it should have said future NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, probably future Defensive Player of the Year, probably future Super Bowl MVP. Here he is in the present, Chase Young. Chase, great to see you, buddy. Great to see you guys, too. Thanks for having me. How old were you in that picture? 
I think I was in first grade. First grade. I remember, uh, you know, um, our teachers had told us to, to basically uh, put what you wanted to be when you grew up. Um, and they was going to put on our names. And uh, that's, that's what I chose. A lot of kids have the dream at that age. When did you first know in your heart it's going to be your reality? I would say uh, the first time I, I, I kind of came face to face and kind of talked about it a little bit um, and kind of knew it was college. <clears throat> uh, after my freshman year even um, and going into my sophomore year, uh, even middle of my sophomore year in college, uh, people just, you know, they just started talking about the NFL and, and things like that. So uh, definitely college is, 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 is when I knew that, uh, that you know, it was, it, was, it was right in front of me. I'm, I'm shocked by that first off because um, I don't know. Just by the way you look, I think you might have known by an eighth grade. Like, I want to follow up with that and go, when the hell did you know you were a freak of nature? And I mean that respectfully. I really do, of course. But when did you know I'm a different specimen? Second grade of high school. I say is when I kind of started to see my strides. I mean, in the eighth grade, um, coming out of eighth grade, uh, I was five six. Okay. So I wasn't big. Yeah, I, I was small. So uh, I think when I got to the ninth grade, I grew to about five eleven, and then my sophomore year, I was about six two and a half, six three ish, and I started uh, you know getting faster, uh, arms getting longer, um, and, and I'm just uh, you know just I'm 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 falling in with my body and and, and just learning how to how to how to move with it right like um, what like was it like one of those things too where were you like oh my gosh I can't get over how much weight I can lift or like I can, I can dunk so easy like was there a moment where you were just like holy cow okay I'm pretty amazing yeah I mean I, I can tell uh you know just how my body matured um even when I did play ball um just getting up was so easy yeah um and, and just on the field I, I just felt more I felt myself getting more explosive um, and, 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 and just faster uh, as, as, as I matured. Um, but it, it was definitely a uh, 10th grade. You got the Old Spice jersey on, but on your football jersey, they sewed that C patch on during the season. What did that mean for you to have that captain added to your, to your role with the team? Um, it's, it, was, uh, it was crazy um, when it happened. Um, it was right before... Uh, the, the the Panthers game. Um, I was walking into the locker room, and uh, you know, just like a you know an, an, another game day, and uh, I had went to EQ, um, and I had asked them something. Uh, I forgot, and they had told me. They said, "Chase, you gotta go. You gotta go look on your uh, go 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 back and look on your jersey." So I went back in there. I looked on my jersey. It was a C. I said, "Oh," I said, "Dang, okay." So immediately I ran right into uh, Coach Rivera's office. Um, and I just thank him uh, because, um, you know, even being a rookie, um, getting that type of respect, um, you know, from my coaches and my team, uh, it's, it just means a lot. And uh, it's just something that you can't put in words. And I get the impression that you'll obviously lead by the example you set, but, but you seem like you're willing to embrace and able to embrace that responsibility, important responsibility of leading by telling the guys, getting the guys going, firing them up and getting them in that right mindset. Yeah, I mean, I, it's something that I've been doing since high school. Um, just being a uh, that being vocal. Um, so it was it was something uh, when when I came uh, on a team and you know I was just uh, I was just being loud everywhere and being an energizer bunny. That's that's just me. Um, I, I did it in high school. Um, I did it in college. You can ask uh, you know any coach who coached me. Um, that's just how I am. And uh, and, and 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 you know it wasn't you know. You know, it wasn't on my list of, you know, I, I want to be captain my, my rookie year. To, it, it, it didn't go like that. It was just something that happened and uh, something that I'm, I'm just blessed to be. That Ohio State culture, I mean, I'm fascinated by it. You just you got ballers all over the place. First three picks of the draft last year. You're all in the same damn college locker room. Nick Bosa the year before. Like, what did that do to you as a player, you know, as far as raising your own game? Yeah, uh we, it was, it was, it's just crazy the, the, the things that we did at Ohio State, um, how competitive we had to be, um, the situations they would put us in in practice. Um, spring ball, you know, every day, you know, you was going at it. You know, it wasn't no game, right. so it was great practice. <laughs> Bang, for real. Um, and, you know, we'll have, uh, you know, competitive days, uh, certain types of days out the week. In um, those days, I mean, you know, Coach Johnson, I know in our room, 
uh, he'll tally up your wins and your losses. Um, and you know, you don't want to, you, you didn't want to lose. And, uh, you know, I, I'm thankful I had, uh, you know, a, a great player like Nick in front of me. Um, Nick was those guys who, you know, it was the day he, he might've never lost a, a, a rep in, uh, you know, in one-on-ones or, you right. know, um, it was, if it was a pass rush and we had five plays, um, you know, he was a guy who might've got a sack on all five plays. So, um, you know, that was something me coming up, I, I was just looking to do and something that, uh, you know, I did achieve, um, in, in practice and, and stuff like that, but just stuff like that, um, you know, it, it definitely, uh, brings the best out of, out of, uh, the guys, um, up there, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm amazed by that. I mean, uh, first off, both of you and Nick Bosa are, are built like Greek gods. You're both got maybe the quickest step off the ball. Like, tell me about that personal, you know, competition between him every day. Did you guys compete in everything? Sprints, weight room, all of that stuff? It, 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 yeah, so it, it wasn't even really competing. But, like, uh, say if we, we had, like, uh, mat drills and we had these certain drills, these bag drills, they would pair you up um, with somebody uh. else's position but they will count wins and losses. So it's like, uh, you're not caring who it is. You, I don't want to lose, <laughs> right. you know, but it's like those in, 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 out there, you know, you'll be dying, you know what I'm saying? And you still, you know, still be competing. So it, uh, it really, I think when, it, it, when, when, when competing pushes you to the edge like that and somebody like Nick, uh, you know, who's not going to stop um, and somebody like myself who's not going to stop, um, I feel like it just, brings the best out of uh, both of us. Um, and, and, there's a, and I feel like drills like that definitely helped me um, um, throughout my career and, and just in the game. Chase, you saw the Buccaneers up close in the wild card round of the playoffs. What stood out to you the most about their offense? Um, I would say uh, just how their, their running game. I mean, they 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 their offense who who has all the all the tools. I would say um, that they can pass the ball, they can run the ball. Um, that they, they have they have a good uh, offensive line. Um, so I feel like it's an offense who who can do it all. And uh, you know, um, you got you got you got to go back there, and, and he's the best at uh, you know obviously managing games and and keeping his himself in the game. So uh, I, it's definitely gonna be uh, exciting to watch. And I saw the picture of the jersey that Tom Brady sent you after that game. How tempted were you to cross out, go blue before you put it in a frame? And I saw a good, you know, I never lost to that team. So I'm good. <laughs> I never lost. So, uh, you know. <laughs> go away, blue. I love it. Yeah. You, yep. you own Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. I'm all for that. I do want to have a little fun with you before we get into your old spice, all right, and all that. Um, I, you know, man, you are you're some mama's boy. I'll tell you. I want to know about that, mama. Yeah. Being in all the FaceTime post game press conferences, like just tell us about mom and how that kind of happens. Yeah, uh, you know, um, you know, when I was uh, I don't know what age I was young, um, uh, adolescent, uh, probably even younger. Uh, you know, I always told my mom, the first thing I told my mom was that uh, she wouldn't have to pay for college uh, when I was young. And then I told her that uh, I was going to be a first round pick, you know, just watching the drafts, um, you know, just just every year um, as, as I got older. So it was something always in the back of my head um, that, you know, I was I was always kind of doing it for my mom uh, and, and just really trying to prove to her that, uh, you know, I, that I'm not a liar, that uh everything that I said I want to do. And, and, I, and I told you I was going to do that. I did. And uh, that's basically, uh, that's basically what, what, what that, that, that's basically one of my motivation uh, mechanisms. Uh, I get it. I would, um, just, just with everything. Yeah. Um, you know, even defensive rookie of the year. Um, um, God willing, if, 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 if uh, I, I uh, take that home uh, during, during the honors, uh, you know, that was something that uh, last year um, during this time, that I told people that, uh, you know, I was going to win, uh, that I, I, I was going to speak into existence. Um, and, and now I'm just blessed to, to, to hear my name, uh, just, just to be involved with, with, with that uh, prestigious uh, award. Well, Chase, you got something else you can tell your mom and you can deliver on it. You can say, Mom, I'm not going to stink up the house anymore because I got Old Spice. <laughs> tell us more about Old Spice. Yeah, so, uh, you know, obviously um, it's, 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 it's been a tough year um, for everyone, uh, you know, even some players this year might have been a little down, 
you know, just dealing um, with, with the uh, scheduling and things like that, just because it's, it's, it's totally different. Um, but Old Spice is, is, is coming out with their uh, new line, uh, and it's called Dynasty. Um, and, and, and it's something that can give you that uh, that real burst burst of confidence, uh, just, just, just to smell ready for anything. Um, I just put some on. Uh, it's, it's real strong, and, and it smells pretty good. All right. Hey, Chase, uh, you're looking pretty good in that shirt. Matches your team colors, which makes it even better. Congratulations on your success. Congratulations in advance on being Defensive Rookie of the Year. I got a feeling you're going to win it, and all the best going forward. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck, man. Way to go. Have a go. There he is, Chase Young. And, you know, the guy is such a great player. He made such a big impact as a rookie. He will be the Defensive Rookie of the Year. I think back to that late-season game from 2019, Giants and Washington, and your Giants lost by winning because they'd have had Chase Young if they'd have just lost that meaningless game. And again, I don't want to turn this into a whole tanking thing, but that's a tangible example of what happens when you win a game that doesn't matter. You lose your shot at a guy who's going to be yeah. and already is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a generational t- kind of talent is the way it's looking. And, yeah, I mean, Mike, you're right. You bring up a good point. That's, you know, when guys like this are – on the radar for that future draft, then, hey, yeah, you you, you got to be thinking about it a little bit as a football team. There's no doubt. It's just hard to do it when you are that team and you're, you know, a coach trying to save your job or do all of those type of things. But, man, the talent speaks for itself. And honestly, Mike, forget the talent. I, I, I mean, the interview is phenomenal. You see why he's the captain. You see why people are saying he's got a Ray Lewis-type leadership about him because – you know, just the charisma he showed there. You know, some of those questions I asked are stupid, but he answered them with the energy and everything like that that made me feel like they were good questions, you know, so, and, and they weren't that great. But that's what, like, a big-time alpha leader does, and that's where he's special that way on the field and off the field. Wow, he's he's even good enough to make you feel better about your question. Yeah, man. That's I mean, he, he answered he them. He that answered is them. generation. I know. He answered them like, that was a good question. Let me give you some good answer now. And, you know, it made me feel good. That's, that's the, you know, the good sign of a guy that's charismatic and knows, knows the game, knows the game outside the lines of football. And that's very apparent with him. And it's a juxtaposition against some of the other young players that we see. And this isn't a criticism because my son and I were talking about this last night. Like, you know, these are young guys. They're, they're, they're scared. They're justifiably afraid of the camera, the microphone. What's going to happen afterward if they say something? Yeah, Are they going to get a phone call right. from this guy, from that guy? Is the coach going to be mad at them? And Chase Young is just a natural in this space. And it helps to be really, really good. Well, that's what I was going like, to say, When too. you're really, really, right. really, really good, right. you don't have to care about people getting mad at you. No, you're right. He could slip up, and it's not like they're going to be like, well, we're going to cut you or bench you. If he says something <laughs> bad, he'd just be like, my bad, coach. And they'd be like, yep, it was your bad. Let's try not to do it again. Now go get some sacks this week. You're right. Yeah. That superstar player does have more leeway because of that power, certainly, as compared to a guy who – you know, might have been a low-level draft pick and wasn't sure he was going to make the team. And now he has a little success early in the year, so he's getting interviewed. But he's still, you know, not a star or an alpha that way and, and comfortable in a spot. And he's just not going to be as freely talking as maybe a Chase Young or a Joe Burrow who know they're going to be on the field no matter what just about. Last year in Indianapolis, the last thing that we did together until you were on the yeah thank you uh thank you for the sound effect better than seeing the video though i have a feeling that it could yeah, make another you. appearance i i started rattling off one after another and and it's just right. one player after you know and and chase young stood out yeah i know he did because right he he gets it he gets it. there's just some fundamental quality where despite his age he he has the maturity of a guy in his 30s. Right. And I don't mean that in a way that he's hardened or cynical or whatever. He just gets it. Like it, And I remember when I was that age, I didn't get it. He gets it. So uh, that's one of the highest compliments I think you can pay someone that age, beyond the fact that he's a great football player and will be defensive rookie of the year and will be defensive player of the year and will, who knows, be a cornerstone in the NFL for years to come. When we return, a guy who has been head coach 
of the New Orleans Saints for many years now. He joined us yesterday. The quarterback position hmm, might be an area of interest for the Saints. Might have come up once or twice during the interview. To find out, stick around. We'll be back with more PFT Live. What was it that you saw from Jameis Winston, Coach, that, that made you think this is a guy who can compete to be a starting quarterback in my offense? Yeah, I, everything from his leadership, his arm strength, um, his film in Tampa. You know, his last season, obviously, he had a ton of turnovers. But uh, there, there are so many things that I think he does well. It's amazing how someone can be in your division and you might think you know the player to some degree, and, and obviously you don't have the same intimate knowledge relative to personality, learning, but, and then when he's in your building, um, maybe how different uh, a guy is, and he, he was a fantastic leader for our team, uh, very supportive and loyal in that room, uh, I think close with the quarterbacks, um, and coming in, in in just his first year, I. I think he endeared himself to, to his teammates. Uh, he's, he's a tremendous worker, um, and he's got a, a, a ton of talent. So, you know, he, he, he made a great impression on us. Sean Payton talking about Jameis Winston. You can find the full interview at PFT, and uh, I'm sure it'll be on the podcast and any, anywhere else we have our content. A great conversation with Sean Payton. He's got a decision to make now. Look, one thing he said – Chris, the the idea that they're going to find out from Drew Brees officially soon, which we all think is going to be retirement, but James is going to be a free agent. Yeah, they got to finesse this. They right. got to get him back on the team before he can be the starter. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. You're right. And, you know, and and is that situation out there going to present itself to Jameis Winston to where it's going to be better than the Saints? You know, I don't know. I have a hard time thinking that right now. Jameis Winston, you get a chance to come back. I don't know if he gets to compete with Taysom Hill to be the starting quarterback. Well, you don't know that. I don't know, but Taysom Hill plays a physical style of football for a quarterback. There's a good chance he could get banged up and miss some chunk of, ch chunk of time, and now you get a chance to be the Teddy Bridgewater of 2021 and have a good stretch and maybe become a starter. So uh, I would think he would want to go back, Mike. Remember this, though. The salary cap is going down. The Saints have their reckoning in 2021 for the Drew Brees can that they've been kicking every year. It's going to be $20 million plus in dead money just for him. There may be other teams out there that can pay Winston more than the Saints can, and that may be a factor by the time it's all said and done. And there's plenty of other teams that are going to be looking for quarterbacks, so Winston could surprisingly be in demand. We'll see. Tua Tagovailoa joins us next on PFT Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.